You're listening to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast, episode 23. In this episode, I'll be sharing an interview I did with the godfather of CAD management, Robert Green, as part of series three of my CAD management masterclass, where I interview some of the best CAD managers across different industries. Thanks, Robert, for being a part of the podcast. And now play the intro. This podcast is for CAD managers in their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with every day as they manage and mentor their CAD team, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and welcome to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. I am your host, Eric DeLeon. In this episode, I'm continuing my CAD Management Masterclass series, series by interviewing a CAD management legend. Today, I would like to welcome Robert Green to the podcast. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, Robert's currently based out of Georgia, and Robert is the godfather of CAD management. <laughs> enough, enough said. Um, if you want to know what he does, just go look him up. You'll find him all over the web. So as I interview other CAD managers, and I know um, a lot of them have reached out like, you got to get Robert, you got to get Robert. And to be honest, a, a little intimidated. Um, again, you oh, know, no. just, be, just because, um, you know, I think your legacy with CAD, your, your heart for helping others, and you just really paving the way for folks like me to get into this field and to be excited, um, you know, let me kind of a little bit intimidated, intimidated with it, but um, I know end of the day you put your shoes on just like we do, um, and you know you um, walk in just similar shoes. Indeed, yeah. There's a there's a solidarity. It's it's kind of a fraternal society. Yeah, correct. Um, something that I want to hear more about, and I'm pretty sure everybody will want to know is, and I ask all the other CAD managers as well. Um, you know, what is your CAD origin story, and how long have you been in CAD management? Uh, my origin story was probably that uh, I, I was viewed as the receptive young guy who would uh, never turn down a challenge. So one day I was sitting in my cubicle and my boss, Rob, walked by and he was very fond of throwing things at me over the, the cubicle wall. So one day a big rubber banded packet of five and a quarter floppies uh, literally hit me on the head and bounced off my desk and it said AutoCAD on it. And I said, what's this? And he said, oh, it's this new CAD thing that we're gonna try and I need you to figure this out. And my response to him was, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you're a yeah. smart guy, you'll figure it out. That's, that's my origin story. <laughs> <laughs> and, what, what version, and what version was that? That would have been 2.1 something. Uh, it would have been in wow. 1985 when I started. Uh, crazy. Yeah, I started with um, release 12. <laughs> and I thought that was archaic back when you look at things now, uh, you know, that must have been light years for you if you started a version two. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the hard drive was a big innovation. Yeah, correct. Oh, man, that's crazy. Um, and how long have you been in CAD management? Sorry if I missed that part. Oh, you didn't miss it? I didn't answer it. Okay. So <laughs> good for the follow-up. So I, I would say that I really was the CAD manager for five years before they called me one. Okay. And I, that, that's, that seems to be fairly typical in this yeah. line of work. Yeah. Um, and then I, I went off on my own. There's kind of a, a backstory about the company I was at going broke. Yeah. And I've been doing that for 28 years. Oh, great. That's crazy. Yeah, I've been um, a part of CAD for 22 years in CAD management for about 15. Um, and so it's long um, enough. Yeah, it's been a journey. It's been awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, and that's kind of where the birth of this, um, you know, my podcast in general, right, is just um, ask my, you know, as I'm trying to, you know, I think we all try to go through, not all of us, but some who try to um, create, you know, authority platforms or personal branding, you know, I was trying, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, at one point I was going to call this the project delivery podcast, um, you know, you know, type of deal, because that's kind of the heart of what I I love is delivering projects um, and doing design build projects, you know, for big, um, big DOT kind of infrastructure projects. But, you know, at the heart of it, I'm like, well, where do CAD managers go to learn about CAD management? Right. And of course, you know, you, you, you and the others are, I mean, I mean, I had Kurt Marino this week, Sean Bryant, you know, Rick Ellis, Donnie Gladfelder, you know, and the, and some of the other up and comers who are establishing brands on themselves you know, have been doing blogs and um, courses and that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where I'm thinking, well, I'd like to do the same because I think I have a similar, I have a very um, unique journey as well to share some insights. And that's where I figured I'll do this on the podcast platform. Um, you know, if I can, if I can share stories and help the person behind me, if I can just help one person in all of this, I, I would call this a success. Um, and so with that, you know, and I figured let's, let's get my, let's get some buddies together, right? Let's, let's reach out to other CAD managers and see what their stories are about. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the birth of it. It's kind of, you know, wanting to help others and such. And so, you know, you've had a long and amazing career. Um, do you have any memorable moments that when you think about those today, just still bring a smile to your face? The, the rubber banded, package of floppies hitting me on the head will always make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, I think after I had been titled as a CAD manager, um, probably about six months into the gig, I had a real gruff old Swedish guy named Kurt was my boss. And he pulled me into his office, says, hey, I got I got to tell you, he says, for a computer guy, I understand you, you're doing a good job. And I think that's probably the greatest praise uh, that, that I've received in my entire career. I can still see him saying it. I'll, I'll wow. always remember it. Um, we did a project at one company I consulted for where we just radically increased productivity on some electrical documentation. And they, uh, they gave me a really nice uh, award and a thing in the company magazine. And I got a little bonus for it. And that, I'll always remember that fondly. I think that was probably the team I worked with was, was as enriching as the, you know, the, the work itself. Um, but really for me, the high points of the career have just been the teaching engagements. You know, I taught at Autodesk university for 25 years. I did, uh, I did CAD camps all over the planet, you know, 
Far East, all over Europe, Canada, Scandinavia, the United States, uh, Mexico, and, and just what has always struck me is the, the uniformity of the human experience. And people are the same everywhere, and CAD managers have the same problems everywhere. Language changes, job doesn't. Yeah. And, um, and that, that global travel, those experiences, and those people, uh, that's what I'll take away. I can forget all the CAD. Okay, yeah. But, but yeah. the people and the experiences have really been what I've treasured about it. Yeah, I think for myself in my career, I think when I look back as well, like those memorable moments, it's the project teams that I was with in the trenches. <laughs> You're working on a project and the memories, the friendships that were bonded over working lots of hours and, you know, getting you know, getting pounded by comments from the contractor or the client and working ridiculous hours. But it's pretty, it's pretty sweet when, um, you know, maybe that's a ghost I, I chase because, you know, in those cases, um, you know, it's like, wow, when it is amazing when you get a group of people together and they all drink the Kool-Aid and, and we, we have each other's back. It's amazing the things that we can do. It, it is true. I mean, that, that happens. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> a lot are, of times that, it doesn't. <laughs> that's that's yeah. when work is work. Yeah. Correct. But when, when you can get everybody on the same sheet of music is, uh, is frequently what I'll, how yeah. I'll describe it. Uh, that, that's fun. And that's when the, the long hours don't really seem all that long. Yeah, and it, you can really point back to something you accomplished. And yeah, that's career yeah. satisfaction. Most definitely. Um, as CAD managers, we wear many hats. Manager, mentor, technical oh, yes. support resource managers, designer, drafters. Um, what is some advice that you would give other CAD managers when it comes to managing projects? Um, well, it's kind of a recurring theme. One of the things that, uh, that I always advise people is don't get hung up in the tools. You don't manage tools. Ultimately, as a CAD manager, you don't really manage CAD. You manage project deliverables. And if you're in a manufacturing environment, that's a car. If you're in the in industry you're in, that's a building. Uh, if you're in the healthcare business, it's a reticle for inspecting contact lenses. I've worked on all yeah. those. Yeah. Um, so what it, what it really is, is all about is just understanding what you're trying to deliver and what ultimately, uh, what is a satisfactory job result? Yeah. So I, I go from there. A lot of times I'll use, uh, when, when I teach, I've, all, I've often used like the moonshot analogy. You know, it's the, the objective was we're going to get people on the moon and we're going to get them home without killing them. That's the yeah. goal. Now, and I don't know what tools it's going to take to do that. Yeah. I don't know what procedures it's going to take to do that. We'll figure that out because we're smart and we're, we're purpose driven. But as, as a CAD manager, you really need to consider that you're trying to deliver project executables. Yeah. That's what you're there to do. You're not there to learn CAD. You're not there to fiddle around with IT stuff. You're there to get work done. Yeah. If, if you maintain that focus and that emphasis, yeah, ultimately you'll be successful in my experience. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's where the busy work comes in, right? Because maybe we're um, people we get out of that comfort zone or out of focused. And so we'll focus on the things that we think needs to get done, <laughs> you know, right. You know, I need to optimize this CDB file or this tool palette needs extra stuff in it. When really that's, yeah, it's great. But end of the day though, like you said, right. Are you, are you and your team understanding of the deliverables and do you have the procedures and standards in place to ensure, right. Those quality 
is is the expectation that the client is expecting that you're meeting that. Right. And it's, uh, I go back to my boss, Kurt, you know, the guy who told me for a computer guy, I understand you. He, one of his, his mantras, and, and I didn't understand it at first, but I do now, is he said, what is it best for you to be working on? Not what do you want to be working on? <laughs> yeah. What's the best thing for you to be working on? And I, I, I really try to prioritize my task list that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, unfortunately, the stuff that I need to be working on some days is not what I want to work on. Yeah. But if I, if I blow that off and I let that go for another week, now I've got a disaster and I've got to work on something for two weeks that I really don't want to work on. Yeah. (laughs) Rather than four days. So I've learned to prioritize. Nice. Yeah. That's, I just had, I just was doing a yearly reviews with one of my, with my team. Um, it's that time at my company now. And that's one of the big things. Um, the, the design, the CAD designer was having struggles with. It's like, well, but that's, that's a you and I issue, right? Don't just say yes. Don't say, you know, to everything because you'll get railroaded. <laughs> Don't just take advantage of you until you, there's nothing left. <laughs> but prioritizing is big because then, you know, like you said, project execution at this week, we got to figure out what to do. So that way that's the priority. Of course, everybody's going to say every PM, right? Every project engineer, my my job is the most important one. Yes, it is to you, but right. you know, the, the greater ecosystem of the of project delivery for the firm is, you know, due dates. You know, that's kind of what we're driven by. Yes. Yes. You, you manage deliverables on a schedule. Yeah. Um, for CAD managers that manage a CAD team, what are your thoughts on managing people and getting the best out of your team daily? Um, so it's multifaceted. Number one is I think when you support people, they, they have to understand that you have a technical level of expertise where you can help them. Uh, they have to have confidence in that, right? So they need to know that you're technically competent. I also find that being a, I call it being a user advocate CAD manager, knowing that you'll go to bat for them, you'll go up to management and say, hey, why does Susan have a six-year-old computer? Why does Jim, who designs and models airports, you know, have a $1,500 strippy Dell while the guy ever in the corner who checks email twice a day has a $6,000 supercomputer? They have to know that you're going to be their advocate, uh, that that you're going to put an ecosystem around them that will allow them to be successful. I think that goes goes so far. I I really can't overstate that. And then, of, of course, you know, there are times we have to do things as CAD managers where we're not popular, right? We have to bust yeah. people for violating standards. We have yeah. to you know, get on people for uh, being late you know, or whatever. Yeah. But by doing that proper support and that user advocacy, I think you build the political capital that allows you to be the meanie when you need to be. Yeah. And, and, and it's a balancing act. You can't be a meanie all the time, but you do have to be a meanie once in a while. Right. <laughs> Otherwise people will take advantage of you. So it, I'm not sure that really answered your question, does. But, but, but that's how I manage it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for myself, and I think a lot of the other CAD managers were like, you know, being accept- accessible, being transparent, open door policies. Um, for me, I like to, um, you know, I'm still, I, I take pride in being a manager doer still. So I still do drafting. I still do set up projects. I still do red lines. 
when I need to. And, you know, I think me being able to roll up my sleeves and be in the trenches with them, it gives me some street cred um, that I can still do the work. Uh, That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's okay. I mean, and, and if, and if you're a CAD manager and that's just the culture of your firm, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, um, I'm able to keep my thumb on the pulse of what really needs to get done and how to do it a little bit more. And I like that. I just, that's just for me um, and so forth. Um, and also, like you said, I think we also need to look on the human side of people. They're not just workhorses. They're people, right? They have families. They right. have, they're going through problems. Um, you know, I, and that's where I think being a manager slash mentor, sometimes counselor, I mean, there's lines there, of course, but I think, like you said, I think if, if we show that we care and we're advocates for them, when you need to come down on them for whatever reason, um, you know, I think, like you said, I think there's a little bit more, they'll be able to absorb it a little bit better and course correct versus you just being the one on top yelling at everybody. Um, right. And, and I'm also, I'm very much of the opinion that when you're in a company environment, uh, you know, folks, it's, they're not our computers. They're the company's computers. They're not yeah. our drawings. They're the company's drawings. And it, we, have a, we have a financial obligation as employees, yep. um, you know, to get this done correctly. And that means that uh, if you don't like the standards and you create 20 hours of rework for somebody else, you're yeah. wrong. Uh, it, it's not about your expression. It's not about how you want to work. It's that you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's something I've really had to fight with, uh, with a number of users yeah. you know, over the years. And, and we all do. So I always try to make it about job performance, about, you know, delivering value for the company. And that takes me out of a lot of the, the political stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think at the same time, though, I think you need to have, I'm really big on, um, you can't hold the hammer over somebody if they haven't been quote unquote trained and, or they don't have like the playbook in front of them, mm -hmm. right? They can't read our minds. And so they can't, and they come down hard on them when they don't comply. So I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I'm like, okay, even though they know, I know they know better, we're going to sit down and have a new session, right? Because now there's accountability because now they can't say I was right. never taught. I was never trained. I don't have those resources. Um, but I think that's where, I think that's where, um, again, it's kind of like a, a reset because right, it can get out of control sometimes where you have yes, different you people, different people that can potentially be a cancer internally. And they just, like you said, right. It's more like personal preference. Well, the standard says it needs to be blue. I understand you like red better, but for continuity and consistency, when we're looking at our drawings, we know what that blue stands for. But if you start, you know, I know it's yes. subtle. I know it's subtle, but it makes a difference. It can make a difference. It does. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, at least if you do that, then you train them, then, um, you know, I guess that's where you can have, you have better, better um, backing when you have to do some course correction or do some, you know, discipline, I guess. Back, yeah. And that's, that. you know, and that your, your original question was, how do you get the most from people? Um, how do you achieve efficiency? How do you get the best group dynamic? Well, you get, you try to get everybody on the same sheet of music. Yeah. Agreed. And that's, that's part of it. Enforcement is part of that. Yeah. Um, but as I assume a training program, unfortunately, that's not everywhere. Correct. Uh, there are a yeah. lot of places that, that don't do it. And that's insane. Yeah. Well, that's a hard part because a lot of that too is, um, 
they don't, that's something I'm trying to establish better at the place I'm at right now is coming up with better, better, you know, procedures, but using also as a onboarding. So as you bring new people in, then you're institutionalizing them in the way the firm does things. Uh, Cause as soon as somebody new comes in, right. And you've mm -hmm. seen it. Oh, I'm, they're going to lean on the stuff that they did before at the previous firm. And that's just what they're used to. And I get it because that's their strength, their efficiency, their, uh, the things that they're really good at is that method, but you know, you really have to learn the new method. And if you don't train them, guess what? They're going to do with the old method. Right. Uh, what measures have you developed and consulted over the years to ensure CAD teams maintain a consistent and high quality set of plans? Um, I think basically it is about articulating what the end state is. Uh, I, I try to really over communicate what should this look like when we're done? Um, that's sometimes referred to as the completion backward principle, which I, I firmly believe in. Uh, if people know where they're trying to end up, uh, they tend to be smarter about getting there. Uh, I tend to make sure that my training is based on the types of tools and techniques and concepts and project flow standards that will help us get there. So what I find most useful for that, and we kind of go back to your prior question about getting the most from people, is that if people understand where we're trying to go, they understand why I'm teaching them the standards. They, they understand yeah. why I'm teaching them the tools that I am. It's not, hey, do this because I said so. It's, yeah. it's do this because we're trying to achieve this objective and it's gonna help you achieve that objective sooner. You know, would you rather like, would you rather spend two hours with your kids instead of one? Yeah. Um, and and that, that really goes a long way. Beyond that, I think it's, it's really a lot more organization and basics than people suspect. I, I see way too much fiddling around with cloud tools, way too much fiddling around with IT stuff, um, people having these ornate series of drop boxes that can become unsequenced. Just, give yeah. me the basics. Yeah. You know, give me simple procedures and give me the basics and that will tend to yield better results. I know that's not a real specific answer, but I think you get better results when you work in a cleaner, simpler ecosystem that people understand. And that's what I strive for. Yeah, I agree. I think when I talked to um, Kurt Marino yesterday, um, he mentioned something similar where it was really, he really likes to have um, go-bys or examples. Um, you know, it kind of, it's kind of a playbook of, you know, the map, right, I guess, of this is what this may try to look like. <laughs> Let's make our efforts align with this particular example. Um, because I think if sometimes if we don't give, like you said, if we don't articulate what the end goal is, um, and I'm okay with creative liberties, but sometimes creative liberties can, can go sideways and result in rework. And you're like, what happened here? This isn't at all, but you didn't show them or articulate what that expectation was. Yeah, and it's one of the examples that I'll frequently use is I, I, I did a presentation several years back where I called it YouTube Your Training. <laughs> so let's, let's think, and the example I was used in the class was I was trying to find a cabin air filter in my car so that I could service it and replace it. Um, I couldn't figure out where it was. I looked at the operations manual. I couldn't figure out where it was. So I went on YouTube. Yeah. And in two minutes, 
<laughs> uh, you know, I, I was directed here, let me show you. So I, I try to use that paradigm. It works, it works for everybody. Yeah. The, the examples show me. Yeah. Works. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but again, I think we, I think actually I just had that with, with my, um, there was some feedback I got about my CAD team and one guy, you know, was maybe spending too much time trying to do it himself uh, instead of maybe YouTubing it or mm -hmm. asking somebody. It's like, you know, um, I said, you know, and I'm okay of trying to trouble because I think something goes with it. But at the same time, like if it's, if you spent 10, 20 minutes and you still can't, and you're still scratching your head, just call somebody, call me, ask one of your peers, um, you know, do like the rest of us. Cause the first yes. thing that have, if I don't know the answer, the first thing I'm going to is Google as we're talking and putting it in and seeing what the right. results are to see what it is that they're doing. So, I mean, yeah, anyway, so I think we have a lot of resources and tools around us that we just kind of, kind of, you know, put our egos aside and ask for help. I think that's basic. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. Um, what, and maybe this kind of goes on what we just asked, but you know, maybe what type of setup tools, CAD features do you feel are must haves for teams to have, you know, high to increase productivity? I think simplicity and robustness of filing. And by that, I include networks. Um, I, I see so many places where they have branch offices and they have this ultra skinny little pipe between yeah. the two offices and synchronizing things takes hours. This is a major drain on people's time. It's a major bottleneck in projects and it invites synchronization uh, and loss of files. Yeah. Just, it just does. So properly capitalized IT systems and specifically the bandwidth that it requires to keep your filing straight. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, documentation that is kept well enough so that, you know, I, I always know where we stand, what's, what's gone to whom and when. Yeah. Um, we're not doing this by the seat of our pants. Quite a lot. Uh, the stuff that screws projects up is simple yeah. and it is 1990s technology yeah. that, it, that is being overlooked uh, for no good reason. There's, there's a lot of complexity that's built into systems now that I think is needless. Give me something simple and classic so that I can get my stuff moved around fast and know where it is and uh, I'll be successful. I, I don't need a whole lot more than that. I think the challenge that we have with some of that is that when the systems or the performance of the systems don't go as we plan, especially like right now, right? A lot of people are VPNing, um, maybe the internet connection at home, like we're experiencing now during this Zoom or at work um, isn't where it needs to be. Um, you know, that's where we can have issues uh, where we will, people will tend to compromise um, the system to be able to then, um, you know, they'll save files locally, which is bad, right? Cause they're no longer a part of active files. And then once they're done, they move them, they, then they'll move them to the server. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I think, you know, that's where we have to be really um, vigilant of the protocols of, yeah, I understand the server is bad, but this still is the right thing to do. Yeah, one, I, I utter, utterly and completely agree with that. But one thing I will do, and this is kind of around that, that concept of user advocacy, 
is that a, that is extremely demoralizing to work in that type of environment. Yeah. So I will go to IT or I will go to senior management at that point and I will say, how much would it cost to really upgrade our, our bandwidth here? And the answer will be, said, well, that's a lot of money. That's $50,000 a year. And I said, but you have no trouble having a group of twelve sixty thousand dollars a year engineers over here doing nothing because right. you won't spend fifty, and that's yeah. that that's that back of the envelope return on investment kind of calculation. That's kind of my hallmark. Uh, that's that's how I argue everything. Yeah, you know, uh, and it it works. Yeah, that's, and that yeah, that, that's what's interesting because I think that's where, you know, like you said, like the 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 cost of downtime of all of these people at their billable rates multiplied over several offices over several days is the, the, the cost to, a, to is the cost to make things right on the back end is like pennies in some cases. Yeah. Right. It's, and, it, and it's crazy. It's yeah. the same reason. Oh, we can't afford um, yeah. a new $3,000 workstation, but you can afford having a $75,000 a year, you know, structural person sitting there not getting anything done. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this in terms of economics. Yeah. Which is crazy because that's what we, that's what I know you teach us a lot in the stuff that I read from you. Um, Donnie Gladfelder talked about it too. It's that whole um, technical and business acumen and how a lot of CAD managers don't, you know, that's something we don't get trained upon of how to, you know, how to make a business case, you know, how to figure out your, your ROI and, and all these kind of things, because at the end of the day, right, it is about making money. It is about the bottom line. Um, it is about maintaining high utilization. We get that. So if that's the speak that upper management is, then we have to be able to learn how to create a narrative in our art and our asks and our arguments and our requests. So that way they see that there's something more to it besides yeah, Jim over there. Yeah, his computer's running slow, so we need to get a new three thousand dollar workstation for him. Well, of course, that's probably a, a good statement, but you know, throwing in loss of productivity, you know, hangups, IT helping him fix problems because his system is old. You know, you can just stack, you can stack and stack all the all the all the um, all those benefits on potentially of why you would need to you know create any kind of upgrade or ask for anything. Yeah, but it's what, what I found early on, and I was actually told this, is that you CAD guys are always asking for new expensive toys. Um, every, every time you come to me, you're saying new plotter, new workstations, new this, new that. And I, I wasn't asking using those types of metrics. Yeah. So very, very early on in my career, it kind of dawned on me that uh, that's how I was perceived. So I needed yeah. to change the way that I communicated yeah. And I also needed to change who I asked because I, I was at the time working in a very project driven company. So if I would go to IT or senior management that's concerned with reducing overhead, the answer was always going to be no. But if I yeah. went to a project manager and I said, I'm going to show you how to get your project done with much lower man hour allocation, but you're going to have to kick in $5,000 for this little toy over here. Yeah. And they were all over it. Yeah. So that, that, kind of was the genesis of my speaking financially and talking more to people who actually execute projects. Yeah, that's really I, good. I learned yeah. both those things in parallel. Yeah, that's great. I think that's one of the things, again, I'm hoping to expand upon in this podcast, you know, future episodes as 
you know, kind of carrying the torch um, and expanding that stuff that you and others have done is because very few people, and I guess, you know, you're the, you're the main source for that business type training for us CAD managers. So thank you for that because there's definitely some articles that have helped you're me welcome. along the way. I've enjoyed uh, doing it. Yeah. When it comes to training, um, what are we CAD managers? I say getting wrong, but have room to improve upon uh, to making sure that our teams are like fully equipped, um, you know, be, beyond just, oh, this is how you push a button or this is how you use that command. Yeah, I, I come back to the completion backward concept. Um, here's what we're trying to do, folks. Um, let me show you the end state. This is, this is what the set of PDFs is going to look like. This is how it's going to be organized. Here's, the, here's what the customer has imposed on us for standards. Uh, so here's how we're going to proceed. Now, we're going to now talk about the methodologies and standards and processes that we're going to use to get the job done. Yeah. So by making my training focused on that, now, yes, that includes commands, that includes clicks and picks, yeah. because you need to know that to execute the process. But I do not allow my training to dwell on tools. Yeah. My training is based on process. And one of the things that I've never been a fan of is these, um, we're going to get everybody together and we're going to show them what's really cool in the new Revit. Yeah. No, because now I'm spending hours and hours showing people things they'll not use. Yeah. What our training program is going to be, this is how we do yeah. this and standard way and my kind of my joke there it sounds kind of condescending is if you show people the way to work they might actually work that way <laughs> but it but if you show yeah. them the options you're going to get god knows what <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's um you know i've had to clean up a lot of messes i'm sure you've had to also yes messes are easier to clean up if they're consistent yes but if I have eight people going in eight different directions, it's a spaghetti bowl and it's impossible. Yeah. So training is very process focused. And if I had to pick one thing that CAD managers do not right in most training environments is they focus on tools, tips, clicks, picks, not yeah. process. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's great advice. Um, Cause I, I know for myself, when I've done some training, I, I think I follow the same thing. I'd rather show the end goal, what we, what we need to do. Because again, there still might be five different ways to do something with tools and commands and clicks and picks, you know. But um, like you said, if we, if we all know what the end result is, I think we can all band together a little bit better. Um, you know, and like you said, at least they'll learn how to, at least if you, if you got to go behind somebody, then at least it's consistent. If it's wrong, it's at least it's consistent methodology and you can then rectify it a little bit quicker versus, you know, Jim did it one way, Sally did it another way. That's the worst. Bob, I mean, I have that now and it's, you're like, wow, where did we go? Where did I go wrong? I guess, uh, mentoring this or, you know, again, um, not to say that some stuff's always your fault, but I'm just saying, right. I mean, end of the day, it's still our responsibility because it's our group. Right. Um, right. So, but great advice. Um, what are some traits of a great CAD manager? I think you have to be, um, you have to be able to switch tasks exceedingly fast. Um, and, and you have to be able to remain cool as you do so. Um, people who have a, a very low threshold for being interrupted 
or who get highly stressed out or can't deal with questions will never survive in this job. Um, people who are calm, you know, there's the old saying, calm people live. Yeah. Calm people live <laughs> in disaster scenarios. Calm CAD managers survive because you're, you're able to see what's coming at you. You're able to prioritize different streams of tasks. You're able to switch between them. Um, and yeah, you may be going crazy inside, but you don't channel that to the exterior world. Yeah. That's, that's probably the most important. Uh, I, I think over time, I focused a lot more on communication. Uh, just, just realizing that we all have a lot of work to do. We're all busy. So if you just tell people, hey, go get that done, you're not really telling them how best to do that. Right, uh, you're you're going to accept anarchy ultimately because you've not defined the task. Right, you're not yeah. you're not thinking parametrically about how the work should be done. So yeah, that that odd it's that odd technical capability combined with communication and being enough of a people person yeah. that that people can like you. Uh, and I think that's why it's so difficult. And I think that's why there's so few of us who really do it well. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I like to, I like to say a lot of, a lot of, I don't even know how to, how to word it right, but um, you know, we have a lot of, if you haven't been trained or you're an introvert, I guess, you know, you're thrown into this then this role because it could happen. Because Kurt and I were talking yesterday, he was like, you know, a lot of people have been graduated to CAD managers, CAD coordinators, because they were the most they're, they're smart. They know how to use the program. So like you over there in the corner, you're the CAD manager now or whatever, right? Like what, you know? And so, but a lot of that, you know, for some folks, just, we just have some quirkiness to us that when we, you know, get in those things, like you said, you know, we may not know how to handle the stress because we, this is something that just got thrown on us or we really don't have those people skills to manage people um, effectively. You know, again, I like to say all of us can, can grow into that, but some stuff, some of that just comes yes. into naturally to others and comes naturally to others. And some, again, all this can be taught if that's something you want to do, but if it's not, I think you also got to know your role, know yourself, have good self-awareness that yes. maybe being a CAD manager isn't what, you know, what, what it's all, you know, what I need to be doing right now. So off topic, just a little bit, I, I do a personal assessment. I've done this for as long as I can remember where I, once a year, we'll sit down and write down, what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? What's impeding my career? What causes me the greatest number of problems uh, with, with Project Flow or my boss or you know, whoever that is? And I will prioritize that. And I, the thing that I feel like is limiting me the most is going to be my focus. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, I mean, there was a point in my career where I said, uh, my ability to speak in public is impeding me. So yeah. I, I went out and improved upon that. Uh, I looked at every aspect of that. You know, I looked yeah. at, I looked at my accent. I looked at mannerisms. I yeah. modulated my voice differently. I look I, I tried to do everything I could to become a better presenter. Yeah. And if you work at it, I'm, I'm illustration that you can, you can become a better presenter if you yeah. work at it. Yeah. But I think a lot of that though too, right, Robert? I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of what I, it's a lot of self-awareness right? And wanting to change because I know a lot of people, I ran into a lot of professors are smart and they're really good at it, but along the way, they've gotten a little cocky. I, I call it caught up in your, 
being caught up in your own hype. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but you know, I think, I think that's, that's good advice. I think all of us can do a little bit more of that just so that way, you know, better manager, better, you know, a better um, technical person, uh, better mentor. Right. And so I think that's, I think that's really good now. Um, yeah. I think that's really good advice. So thank you. Um, and so what was one of the, what's one of your biggest mistakes as a CAD manager? And how has that helped you in your career moving forward? Oh, man. That's kind of interesting. Um, I, I think probably my biggest mistake was that I went into this job thinking that I could technical my way out of it. Um, that the problems I was experiencing with users would go away if I just had a better macro or a better Lisp routine or, you know, whatever I was doing in those days. Um, and so when I would have problems and I would have confrontations, I would go back to my desk and I would work on a program, which actually was completely the wrong thing to be doing Yeah. because the, the problem I was having was user management. There was a certain point where I said to myself, this is not a technology job. This is a psychology job. And I, I remember that that was one of those light bulb moments for me. I've got to get out from behind this desk. I've got to walk around more. I've got to understand what people are doing. I've got to talk to project managers more. Uh, I have to be much more involved in the business angle of what's going on. And then after they loaded me up with stuff and I got to the end of the day and I was ready to pound my head against the, the desk and start crying because of all the stuff that I had to do they never saw me sweating out the details and, and figuring out what I had to do to make it all work. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I went through a period of a couple of years there uh, where it was kind of rough actually. And uh, at, at the beginning, I actually thought I might've made a career mistake because I'm an engineer by background. I mean, I was a mechanical design engineer yeah. who got pulled into CAD management. So I, I was actually wondering, eh, maybe I didn't do the right thing here. But once I started to understand that, uh, you know, this was a process, it was something I could learn. And very shortly after that, that's when I started writing and uh, started getting some, you know, the primitive emails back in those days um, and realized that other people were having the same problem yeah. as me. And once I started writing about it and understanding the difficulties that everybody else was having, it just became, it became the only job I wanted to do. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really know any, any other way to explain it. It just, yeah. it seemed to fit me and uh, that, that's when it kind of made it complete, you know? And yeah. if, uh, if I hadn't screwed up in the first place yeah. and, you know, and, and treated it too technically, it never would have forced me to come out of my shell and, and become that more extroverted involved person, you know, who got more business savvy and more presentation savvy. None of the rest of it would have happened. So I'm, I'm glad I made the mistake, yeah. but I wouldn't want to relive those first two years. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Okay, so in this moment right now, so I could, just by the look on your face, it's, it's crazy. Your eyes actually lit up. Uh, so I could obviously tell that, um, you know, the answer, and you are authentic, genuine, but how that was a huge moment, I, that, you know, where that shift was for you. So yeah. uh, that's, that's an awesome story. Yeah, I think, you know, like, so for me, I had, I had a moment where it wasn't CAD management, but something where I was called, I was, before I got into AEC CAD, 
I was I was a semi I was an industrial designer for the semiconductor company. Um, one of our I did many environments. I was using Inventor a lot. The first actually mechanical desktop and then Inventor, Inventor one. Um, but we went I went on site and it was one thing that it's went with me forever. Like you said, right? It's kind of being um, you know being in those moments, I guess. But the client was asking me, okay, well we're going to need to change this, 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 and this, and this, and I freaked out. And I the guy. I was at that time I was I was ahead of my own product line. I was barely 21. And so I had a had a hand, I call it a handler, had to go with me to San Jose because I wasn't old enough to rent a car. Um, and so he was a senior designer at the firm. Um, and so, but it was in, it was it was one of those um, moments where out-of-body experiences where as as I started freaking out, like an oh man, but the deadline is still next week. And I'm just thinking of just what I have to do to get there because of all these changes. So luckily I was literally sweating in this. I was in a, I was in a bunny suit. I was in a clean room, you know, so I was sweating it up, taking notes. Um, and then we got out of that. And it was one of those things where he, um, the, the designer told me, like, Hey man, um, you know, that wasn't the right way to respond. You know, whenever you're in a client meeting like that, just smile, take notes, <laughs> and then we'll get back to you. Um, because again, we were able to do change order. We were able to modify the schedule. But for me, you know, I was freaking out in front of the PM for, you know, our client that was um, helping me with this project. And so, um, yeah, that was a huge shift. Like, like you know, kind of going back to, um, you know, just being able to learn from those and being able to adapt and not, like you said, um, freaking out, you know, but being more composed and you know, taking care of that behind the scenes, you know, type of deal. But uh, yeah, that you I still think I still it. I still think about that. I'm thinking, oh, I cringe, <laughs> I cringe. But oh yeah, uh, but that's how you learn to get where you are now, right? And so yes. Um, what would you consider to be your CAD manager superpower? Um, I think it probably for me it probably comes down to the fact that I can speak. Uh, at a communication level and with a vocabulary that makes sense for whomever I'm talking to. If it's users, it's technical. If it's managers, it's financial. If it's IT, it's their brand of technical. Uh, if it's a group of CAD managers, you know, at, at a conference, it's the way you and I are, are speaking. Yes. So many people I see in this business have a communication style. Uh, it's like uh, I, I play guitar a lot and I really enjoy it. You know, I'm a, I'm a rock guitarist, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I don't play flamenco. I don't play jazz. I have yeah. one style, but, and that's, <laughs> that's limiting, yeah. right? So from a CAD management, from a business communication standpoint, you need to have a technical communication style, a financial communication style, and you need to tailor that to the group you're speaking to. And I, I, I've made that, I really have made that my forte. Um, it, it, it has worked. It's allowed me to be an effective trainer. It's allowed me to get budget from management groups because I speak their lingo. Uh, it allows me to build camaraderie with users because they know that I understand the software. Yeah. Uh, you said it before. I'm not asking you to do anything I can't do. Um, so I, I think that's kind of been it for me. 
Really, yeah. I mean, probably more than my CAD knowledge. I, my, my feeling is always I can gain more knowledge, right? You give me the software and you put me in a corner of a room, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's framing the issues and communicating it that to me have always been the most difficult. So I've applied a lot of effort there. And uh, I, I think it's probably, it's probably my thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think kind of two, two thoughts of that. Like, you know, that's awesome that you're able to adapt to the audience, to be able to truly connect, to move the needle in whatever way that you need to, right? And that's, and, and again, the way you move the needle is different to the uh, different audience that you're having. Mm-hmm. In a sure similar is. manner, I think for us managers as well, like managing people, um, you know, I, I don't manage my people kind of the same breath. I don't manage my people the same way. Some people need more, more, more touches during the week where they like me to check in with them. Some people are okay with, you know, Monday morning, our workload meeting, I can give them a task and don't bug them until the end of the week. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, for me, I kind of, you know, I approach it like, like parenting or, you know, I have three kids um, and, you know, to get the best out of them, I have to do things a little bit different. Um, you know, cause they all respond different. They're all different people. It's yep. so, um, you know, so I think, so, you know, if you're a CAD manager listening to this right now, um, you know, definitely take heed to kind of what Robert's saying of, you know, develop those skills of being able to um, speak to the different audiences and other advice that I would tag a coattail to that one is also take that same approach to the people that you manage. I think that will go a long way of truly connecting to the folks that need a little bit different, a little different style than the, than the person that sits next to them. Um, I think that will go a long ways of your success and being able to connect with your team, with management, with IT, um, other project teams. I think that will go a long ways. Yeah, well put. Thank you. Um, what current technology or trend are you most excited about? Um, I think we're going to see file formats becoming more fractional. Uh, more transparent technology that's going to allow, like, rather than having one big massive model that becomes a huge synchronization problem across wide areas and branch offices, I think we're going to see data becoming more granular and more aggregated. I, I know that's not real sexy, you know, people want to yeah. talk about the next generation of BIM or whatever, but, um, you know, I see real problems with just managing data. Agree. It's, it's, it's a big problem and it impacts project teams. So that, that's an area that I think we're really going to, we're really going to start to see, you know, we're starting to see some of it in IFC, um, you know, in, in the building trades and much more granular categorization of, of components. Um, DWG files themselves are going to become ver- versioned or subversioned. Yeah. So that's, I'm really looking at that with excitement. And of course, you know, point clouds and reality modeling are, are, are the other huge thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to make getting stuff into CAD so much cheaper. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that, yeah, uh, you just can't argue with it anymore. It, I, I want it to get better. I want it to get faster and I want the files to compress. But <laughs> yeah. All right. So when you say that, so do you think that this, you know, due to the, the state of the country right now, of every, a lot of people working from home, do you think that that will help accelerate some of this data fragmentation? So we can work better, faster. It, it well, it should, but yeah. I'm not. I'm you know I'm not really sure how fast software companies can react to it. 
Um, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff with the ODA, Open Drawing Alliance, and, you know, this is stuff that um, they're working on. I mean, it's there. The technology underpinnings are there. It's yeah. just, are the PLM vendors and the CAD vendors going to integrate that into their products? You know, yeah. if there's this user demand, yes, yeah, it, it will occur. But I think clearly, you know, the, the, the data load is growing so much faster oh, than you can improve bandwidth. Yeah, that this is becoming a bigger problem, not a smaller one. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it'd be interesting, of course. Um, you know, I think if it had to be the industry speaking up more, right, in order for them to focus. I mean, because, you know, all the vendors, you know, they're all giants. We're all peons to them. So for them, but as a community, you know, then we could we could definitely rise up and uh, create some noise and get some attention. Um, and so... What are your thoughts on the future of CAD? I think it's just a maturing industry. It's, it's a tool. I mean, it's like if, if uh, somebody asked you about what are your thoughts on the personal computer in 1984, yeah. it would have been a much more glamorous conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, CAD's a tool. I mean, yeah. it's, um, there you go. It, it's, it's just going to be something that allows engineering or design work or construction work to get done faster. And whoever puts the emphasis on that probably wins. And absent innovation, cost savings, and financial performance will be what drives it. So we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of attention in the marketplace now, but you know, do I really need this? Is this the best way to do this? Could I, yeah. could I do this with plugins? Uh, you know, the stuff that's getting done on cell phones on a $5 app now was inconceivable 10 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. So the cost floor in this is really going to drop. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. I mean, the, the, the days of two and three and $4,000 CAD tools, I think are the, they're the big lumbering dinosaurs at this point. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so a couple of questions left. This one was actually, we kind of talked about it earlier. So um, to me, I got a lot of, a lot of requests. Like if you're going to get Robert, ask him this. So again, I'm going to swing for the fences here. Um, so one of the things that, 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 that the CAD manager confessions audience was curious about was, you know, if you could share the story or some insight of, you know, you know, we all got the news, Robert Green is stepping away from Autodesk and all that, you know, whatever it's packed with that. But is there anything that you could enlighten us on just to kind of give us a glimpse of, you know, what happened? What, you know, what were you feeling at that time? And, you know, the, in things sense, I guess. So are we talking about product here or the whole story or? Just the whole story, I guess. I mean, you know, cause we know at some point like you and Linda Allen, all of a sudden we all got the news. You're no longer, you know, associated with Autodesk. And we were all like, I got emails from people randomly. Um, and so okay. we were just like back then at least, right? And so I'm just, right. we're just curious of like, you know, what, what was that all about? And is that something you can share? Yeah, um, I did. Yeah. But Sure, be happy to. Um, for, for me, the investigation of BricsCAD started years and years back. Um, I write for Catalyst Magazine and have for years. And we started looking at basically AutoCAD alternative programs. BricsCAD was one of them. Uh, G-Star CAD was another one. You know, IntelliCAD Consortium was another one. And when I first started looking at this back around like V15 of BricsCAD, so this is, you know, five, six years ago, mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't really feel like it was a viable replacement because I felt that there were function gaps in it. Um, 
that would make switching to it cost prohibitive. But we reviewed it every year. So V16, V17, V18, and I did the analysis on V18 and I was loading up all the Lisp and it was running and I was loading all my customization and it was running. I opened all the same files, everything worked. And at that point I said, I don't need AutoCAD anymore. Um, I, I can do everything here that I was doing in AutoCAD and okay, so well, great, but it costs, you know, a third of the cost, yeah. half the cost. So I wanted to start exploring it for that purpose. I went and covered their uh, user conference for Catalyst. And this, this was, I guess, three years ago when it was in Paris. And when I got back from that, I was, um, I was basically told I'd not be involved uh, with, with any Autodesk activities anymore. Yeah. So that's how that went. Okay. And uh, that's the end of the streak of AU instruction and, yeah. and all that. Uh, the BricsCAD guys approached me about being an implementation consultant, uh, which, which I did and moved some companies over. And really kind of learned it and that went very well. And they approached me about being their director of implementation, yeah. which has been a kind of a different gig for me, but yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I, I wish we weren't all grounded. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll get back in the air sooner or later, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it was, it was really just a, a decision for me that it, it was an alternative that needed to be explored. Yeah. And the, the fact that it was a story and that it kind of took off and, you know, yeah. be, became. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you were tweeted, man. I'm pretty sure somewhere yeah. there's a tweet out there that I was like, oh my gosh, the world is kind of Urban legend or something like that, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was really, it was very business focused. Okay. And um, it, it was just, uh, you know, seemed to me to be the logical conclusion I just, yeah. I don't understand why it was interpreted as like, oh, you know, he's, first of all, I never worked for Autodesk. Correct. So it's not I I yeah, correct. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Okay. So, so, cause I, I guess that's, that was the big thing that I heard that, you know, the um, water cooler talk was, was that, you know, um, that somewhere, you know, potentially with the new shift of Autodesk management at that time, Carl Bass was leaving, Andrew was coming in, and then, you know, they were just trying to cutting ties with some of the, you know, the regime per se that was there. And they were trying yeah. to make room for this new phase of whatever Autodesk was going to be. And that just didn't include like you and Lynn. <laughs> and so I was like, what's going on? You know, and of course, without yeah. being you, um, you know, we don't, the, the, the you know, the, um, the Twitter verses and the, you know, all the other stuff that's going on. Uh, it was just interesting. So thank you. I just, um, you know, thank you for the story, I guess. If anybody's listening, if, you know, if that's the answer you're looking for, um, you know, it came, from, came straight from Robert. So yeah, that's how it went. Um, well, once again, sir, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Um, so one last question before I let you go. Um, any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? Uh, stay on it. Don't quit. <laughs> um, you know what, what I would say, I, I've been asked, what's the secret to it? And uh, I always have the same answer, which is that at some point a long time ago, I decided this stuff was pretty cool and I was going to learn everything that I, I could possibly learn about it. And I was going to Im keep improving myself and keep building my skill set. 
And the only difference between me and somebody else is they probably quit and I didn't. Yeah. So it, it keeps your brain fresh. It keeps you on top of technology. It keeps you, you know, working in, in cool areas. And, and I mean, it absolutely it guarantees you are the last person they're going to lay off. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's, I've seen it happen too many times. Yeah. So, you know, just, just stay on it. Don't quit. And, um, you know, there will be days you're frustrated. You're saying, I thought I was done with this. Yeah. And then a new product comes out or a new project comes in or it, nope, you're never done. Yeah. You're never done. It's, it, it is the unending task. And that's, uh, that's kind of what's cool about it. That's not the downside. That's kind of what's cool about it. Well, well said, sir. Well, again, thank you for being here and I appreciate you taking the time of, uh, being a part of this CAD management masterclass and for all the advice, all the uh, truths you've dropped on us. Once again, I thank you. Appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, Continue to challenge the status quo, be the leader you wish you had, don't be afraid to step into your greatness, and good luck in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.